You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. But without further ado, I want to introduce... Pastor Mike Jones, him and his family have been attending here at the church. They're, uh, he's not pastoring right now, uh, but we are excited to have him share in the pulpit. Uh, his wife is the one that we acknowledged earlier who's been working with the youth, and she is ordained with the Assemblies of God as well. They were previously pastoring in, in not Chicago, in Colorado, mm-hmm. moved home uh, to the lakeshore. They live in Spring Lake, and they have plugged in. And man, your family has been a blessing uh, so so much. Your kids are awesome. We love them, both sets, kind of old and young. Um, but anyway, but without further ado, let's give a warm, awesome Gateway Church welcome Amen. to Pastor Mike Jones. Amen. Thank you. Love you, brother. Appreciate it. Love you. Hey, I got some words of, I've got some I got some insight for you for next, you asked for advice. For oh, yeah, next yes, Sunday. next week. The three B's. Three B's. Go. Be Jessica, brief. write these down. Be brief, be brilliant, and be gone. Okay. Okay. All right. At a family reunion, you don't uh, want to talk very long. All right. And, <laughs> and on that note, let's lock the doors because oh. uh, we're, we're going to 4 o'clock this afternoon. Oh, man. Uh, I no. got it in me. All right. Thank love you. It. Well, welcome to the Gateway Church today. My name is uh, Pastor Mike, and it is a privilege to share with you. And I am uh, so thankful for this opportunity to share with you and thankful for this congregation and what you all have meant to my family the last year, just get, seeing my children get plugged into the children's ministry, the youth ministry, to, to see Havily up here helping with worship. It's just been a joy to, to see them uh, just grow. And so thank you so much. Um, I have thoroughly enjoyed, or I did thoroughly enjoy leading the Starting Point group this past spring, and I look forward to, in August, sharing with you some foundational topics about the will of God, marriage, parenting, uh, and, and that is in August. So if you want to know more about that, you can talk to me after service too, okay? And so today we're here starting the first of four sermons in a series titled, titled Powerful Prayers. Today's sermon is about a prayer for wisdom. Okay, now speaking of wisdom, an angel appeared in a puff of smoke to a man and, and said to him, hey, uh, listen, you, you've lived a good and virtuous life. You know, I'm going to offer you a gift. You can either have limitless wisdom or limitless wealth. Well, the man thought about it for a second and he said, well, I'll take the wisdom. Wisdom is yours, says the angel, and he disappeared in another puff of smoke. The smoke had barely cleared before the man scratched his chin and said, you know, I should have taken the money. (laughs) You can humor me for my bad dad jokes, right? Well, we're talking about wisdom today. Okay, well, first question is, what is it? What is wisdom? I like to think of wisdom as the ability to clearly see the source of a situation and respond productively. The Proverbs 16.21 tells us that the wise in heart are discerning. And what that means is that someone who is wise can separate the outward expression, the anger, the, the frustration, or whatever is coming at them visibly, they can separate that and see the source behind it, okay? Someone that's wise can separate the outward and the inward, and then they respond to the inward, okay? It's, it's kind of like treating the symptoms versus treating the source, 
okay? Someone who is wise, they go right to the source because they know that that's the root of the situation. So wisdom is the ability to clearly see the source and respond productively. Now, how does a person get wisdom? I think that's the, the next essential question. Uh, near as I can tell, uh, we get wisdom or a person gets wisdom from two places, either from experience, whether it be their own or someone else's. I mean, have you ever looked at somebody else and, and go, uh, mental note, never do that? <laughs> have you ever done that before? You're like, uh, I need to get out my phone and write this down. That was dumb, you know, and you're like, don't ever do that again, right? You can gain it from your own experience. I remember uh, when I was a, a young father, and my son was a wee lad, and he was, he was still in the onesie, you know? How many of you know the onesie jammies? Like, you zip them up like a full body suit, and he, nobody still wears those, do they? I hope not. If not, we're praying after service, okay? All right, so anyways, he had a onesie. He was like one and a half or something, right? And he had a really hard time going to bed that night, which is uh, abnormal. Usually he would go right to sleep. That night, not so much. And I had to keep getting up. I had to keep getting up, going in there. And finally I said, I'm done. I'm letting you cry to sleep, right? And so I left. It was kind of a bad dad moment for me right then and there. Well, when I get up in the morning and I go in to check on him and to change him, right, I discover that I had shoved both of his legs down one jammy leg. So the poor kid, he doesn't, can't speak English. He can't, like, tell me, Dad, you're a dingus. You shoved both of my legs down one jammy leg. Now I can't sleep. The kid, he cried himself to sleep because I had shoved both legs in one. Oh, what a bad dad moment, right? But I gained a little bit of wisdom from that experience. Now I'm, I'm like, checking, you know, making sure <laughs> both legs are, are in there. How many of you, please, Bail me out. How many of you have had a bad dad moment, bad parenting moment? You're like, oh, I know what you're talking about. Okay, so we can get wisdom from experience, whether our own or someone else's. We can also get wisdom from God. James 1.5 tells us, if a person needs wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. God's very generous. He's not going to withhold wisdom from us, especially when we really need it. And so speaking of need, when does a person need wisdom? I think we all know the answer to that question. It's, it's when we don't know what to do, right? When, where to go or, or what is next or how should we respond, right? I, I don't know about anyone else, but I've been there plenty of times when, when the, the way forward was obscure. I, couldn't, I didn't know where to go, what to do, and I needed to know how to respond. And so uh, this has been especially true in my life when I've been under duress, Okay, when I've been in a, in a jam, in a pressure pack situation, and I'm like, oh my goodness, what do I do? Where do I go? That's when I'm actively reaching out and seeking wisdom from others. I'm, hey, did you ever go through this? What did you, what did you do? How did you get through it? Or I'm looking in the scriptures, and I'm asking God, maybe looking in Proverbs or other places and seeing what, what, for, get, looking for some insight to know how I should move forward. I'm sh what about you? Have you ever had that? where you're like, oh man, I, I don't know how to respond in this. I, I'm under pressure. I, I, what do I do here? And I'm sure we've all at one point or another not known what to do, how to respond, where to go, all of that, especially when our way forward is obscure. Well, today's sermon is for those of us who are in that situation right now. And there are people listening in, in this room or online, and they need wisdom more than anything else. More than anything else, they need 
an answer right now. How do I respond? How do I move forward? Do I go left? Do I go right? Where should I look? What should I do? How should I be? Is anybody here brave enough to acknowledge that fact today? I'm listening my end because I need wisdom right now. I need wisdom. Unfortunately for us, we are not the first people who have ever needed wisdom. The Apostle Paul needed wisdom, and he knew the Ephesian believers needed it as well. And so he wrote them a letter to help them see their situations clearly so they could respond in a productive, God-pleasing way. So let's look at a portion of that letter this morning. Turn with me and your Bible this morning to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. You can also follow along with me on the screen if you like. I'm reading from the New Living Translation today, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. Paul says, Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Verse 19, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he, speaking of Jesus, is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over the church for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. And so the first thing that stuck out to me when I was studying this passage was why was Paul constantly praying for them? Have you ever prayed for someone constantly or about something constantly? I mean, it just it's on your mind all the time. And you, it seems like every three or four minutes, you're just bringing it up to God as if he's forgotten it. God, don't, don't forget. God, don't forget. Well, Paul is in a place, and he's constantly praying for the Ephesians. Now, uh, why was he praying that God give them wisdom? What couldn't they see clearly, and why couldn't they see it? I believe the answer to these questions uh, begins with understanding where Paul and the Ephesians were. We need to understand the circumstances that they were experiencing the time this letter was written. So we're going to take it in two parts. We're going to look first at Paul, and then we'll look at the Ephesians, okay? So let's look at Paul. Paul, he's the author of this letter. At this present time, when he's writing this letter, he's in prison. You know that. We mentioned that just a few minutes ago. What you might not know is that he had been persistently hindered and harassed by the Jews during his missionary journeys. And now, as a result of their false accusations, he had been put in prison. Right? Mind you, he had not done anything wrong, but he had been put in prison, falsely accused. And so he appeals to Caesar. And when a person appeals to Caesar, they are transported to Rome. And so he had made his way to Rome, and now he's sitting in the maritime prison. Oh, thank you very much. He's sitting in the maritime prison, and it was there that he wrote this letter to the Ephesians. Now, I, we know Paul is Paul. He's the apostle, right? He's written like a very a good portion of the New Testament. He's like a superstar, right, uh, of that 
that age. And, and yet, we have to understand that Paul was human. He was just like us, and I'm sure he had his weak moments. He probably had some times where he started to think, you know, uh, God, do you still love me? Uh, God, how does this fit into your plan? How is me sitting in a prison fulfilling your purpose in my life? You know, I, I bet like 98% of the time Paul's faith was super strong, right? 98% of the time he, his focus was on others. But he had those, those an hour here or there. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You ever have an hour where you're just like, it's dark in your mind and in your heart and you're like doubting God and you're thinking, God, does God even love me? Anybody know what I'm talking about today? Am I the only one who's ever had that happen? Where you start to doubt God, His love, His plan, His purpose, right? I think Paul had those, those moments. But what's so wonderful about God is that he came alongside of Paul in his duress, in his distress, while he's sitting there in prison, and he gave them the, him the wisdom that he needed to see his situation clearly and the strength to respond pro productively to an obviously difficult set of circumstances. And so it was out of his own personal pain, it was out of his own journey that Paul wrote to the Ephesians who were also under duress. Let's take a look at that. The Ephesians, where were they at this time? The Ephesians were being persecuted by unbelievers. We know that because of what is written in Acts chapter 19. Look at that with me for just a second. We know when Paul ministered in Ephesus that God gave him the power to perform unusual miracles. I mean, like when handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. And the story of what was happening in Paul's ministry spread quickly all through Ephesus and a solemn fear descended on that city. And the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing in, uh, sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. The value of the books was estimated at several million dollars. And so the message of the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. Now, someone once said that where there is light, there is also shadows. And so while the light of God was spreading throughout the region, the people in the shadows, they weren't too happy about it. What you might not know is that Ephesus was the center of a cult, a cult that worshipped an idol called Artemis. And this cult was so lucrative that the temple where they worshipped became the world's largest bank at the time. There was a lot of dough associated with this cult. And so when Paul came and God is moving through Paul and people are turning from the cult to faith in Christ, so many people were turning to faith in Christ that it was affecting the cult's bottom line. And they weren't none too happy about it. In fact, they do what, what most unbelievers do when things don't go their way. They threw a tantrum. They threw a all-out fit in the streets. They rioted. They rioted. They started shouting for hours on end, great as Artemis, great, and so forth. And, and while the riot was eventually dealt with, their underlying anger towards Christians was not. And so when we read in Acts 20, verse 1, excuse me, Acts 20, verse 1, that Paul left and continued on his, his uh, missionary journeys, he was leaving them in these, uh, this very difficult set of circumstances. All right, Ephesus was not an easy place to be a Christian. 
It was not an easy place to grow in your, in your faith. And so here we find them in pain, under duress, okay, being persecuted, being hindered, harassed, and hurt by the unbelievers in that city. And they started to doubt, just like Paul did. They started to doubt God's love. They started to doubt God's plan for their life and how what they were experiencing was fitting in to, to God's purpose. What, what purpose could God possibly have for, for persecution, right? They started to doubt those things. Their love for others started to diminish as the pain causes them to turn inward. I think there's a, something we can learn from Paul. I think there's something we can learn from the Ephesians experience because the same thing happens to us when we're under duress, doesn't it? When we're under duress, it's natural for our faith to, in God to weaken. It's natural for us to begin doubting Him, His love, His plan, His purpose. It's natural for us, for our love for others, our concern for others to diminish, to grow cold because we start turning uh, and more, becoming more self-focused. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. I'm sure all of us have been there at some point or another. But I want you to know, because we sticking and focusing on that isn't the emphasis of today's sermon. The emphasis of today's sermon is turning things around. Where do we go from here? How do we get out of that non-virtuous cycle where we're doubting God, where our love for others is, is diminishing? How do we turn it around? How do we strengthen our faith? How do we rekindle our love and concern for others? Well, that starts with receiving wisdom from God. This is why Paul was constantly praying for them so that their, the eyes of their hearts would be open and they would begin to see their situation as God does. And so Paul knew the Ephesians needed this. This is why he constantly prayed for them. And my question for uh, us today, for you today, is who here listening online or listening live needs wisdom? Who doesn't know where to go or what to do? how to respond, who, who, who's being hindered or harassed or hurt for their, by unbelievers, who's starting to doubt God's love, His plan, or His purpose, whose heart is cold and unconcerned. You're sitting there and you know it. You know, like, God, man, I just, I just don't care anymore. <laughs> I don't care about anybody. I don't care about anything. All I care about is changing my circumstances. This sermon is for you. What do you do? How do you turn things around? Well, I'm going to give you uh, four things to think about, two things to ask God for, and two things to look for. Let's start with the things to ask God for. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses uh, 16 through 18. He says, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God first thing I want to point out to you is to ask, or tell, encourage you to ask God for is wisdom, but not just any old kind of wisdom, spiritual wisdom. Why? Because you're not fixing a car here. You're not making, picking out like a career choice or something, okay? There may be a component to your situation that you greatly underestimated, and that is a spiritual component. There may be behind the scenes spiritual darkness at work hindering you, motivating the people that are harassing and hurting you. The Ephesians 
That was their situation. They couldn't see it. They didn't know about it until Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 6, hey guys, listen, you're not fighting, you're not wrestling, he says, with flesh and blood enemies. You know what I'm talking about? Have you read that before? He says, you are wrestling against the spiritual darkness, the principalities, the powers in the unseen world, these these." beings in the heavenly places. And so it doesn't matter how you're fighting back in the flesh. It doesn't matter the angry words that you say or the, your, 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 your fists of fury or whatever you're trying to bring that day, right? It doesn't matter if you're fighting back legally. They don't care about that. You need to fight spiritual beings, a spiritual attack with spiritual weapons. And that's why Paul talks about that in Ephesians 6. But before you can even get on the attack, you've got to see that aspect of your situation. And so Paul, he's saying, listen, first thing you need to ask God for, and I'm asking God for it too, I, you need to ask God to open the eyes of your heart, to give you spiritual wisdom, to see what's really going on. And then once you see the situation correctly, then you can respond effectively. However, if you're in a situation where spiritual forces are at work, even if you see them, you're going to need a whole lot more than a good night of sleep to respond effectively, okay? You're going to need what Paul talks about next, and that's spiritual strength. Look down to verse 19. Paul says, I also pray that you understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the heavenly, excuse me, and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Listen, don't underestimate a good night of sleep. I can testify that to that right now. Okay, when we're really tired, we're easily discouraged, right? You know what I'm talking about. And, and so getting a good night of sleep, that might be a good place to start. But listen, if you're in a spiritual battle, you need a whole lot more than, than a nap, Okay, because the people, you, the, the beings you're fighting against, they don't ever take naps, right? They don't ever sleep. They're, they're always on the attack. They're always on the move. And so to fight against them, not only do you need to see them with that spiritual wisdom, but you are going to need the incredible strength that God provides if you're going to o- overcome, right? And so when I look at this, this word incredible, when I looked at that, I found that this word means to go above and beyond what you can usually do. I've got a friend who, uh, who's been doing pull-ups. I don't know, he, he came up to me, he, might have, he heard I did a lot of pull-ups, and he was like maybe a, a smidge inspired or something like that. I don't profess to be anything than a, than a guy who's trying to hold on to his last hobby, okay, and just do some pull-ups once in a while. Well, he comes up to me a couple months ago, and he's like, yeah, Mike, I, uh, I started doing pull-ups. You know, I really want to do pull-ups. And uh, I, I can maybe do like three. Like I can barely hold on the bar, Okay. Well, I said, all right, that's all right, get started. So he gets started. A couple weeks later, he comes back to me. He's like, I did five. I did five pull-ups, okay? And he's, he's amped right now. I mean, he's like, this is a big deal. And so he keeps working. Well, a couple weeks ago, he comes up to me and says, I did 10 pull-ups, 10 pull-ups. And, and I'm like, that is fantastic. That's awesome. He reached his goal. He wanted to hit that goal before his birthday. He's kind of getting up there in age a little bit. And so he was kind of excited about, about getting 10 pull-ups, right? And, and so that's awesome. That is the best that he can do, right, on his best day. When he gets 
gets a lot of sleep. Maybe he gets some, some coffee in the morning with a little go get him or something. He's ready. He gets some pull-ups in. Ten. That's the best he can do, right? But when he, well, how many could he do if he had one of those like little elastic pull-up bands, you know, like a pull-up assist? Or what if I was behind him holding his, his legs up and helping? I'll bet he could get 18, 20, maybe 25 on his best day, especially if his wife was there cheering him on, right? That's exactly how God's power works in our lives. You know, when we become Christians, maybe our relationships aren't all that awesome. Maybe we're not too good at, at managing our finances or getting along with others or you just we have these habits that just seem to trip us up. But as we put into practice what God has here in the Word, our lives start to change and we start to get pretty good. And our relationships, marriage gets better, relationships with our kids get better, finance, everything starts to get better. We start to see the abundant life that Jesus died to give us. It starts to grow in us right? But on our best day, we still do not have all that we need to fight against the spiritual darkness that comes against us. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We still do not have all that we need to fight for our marriages, to fight for our kids, to fight in our, for our, our work, or to fight for whatever we're hoping for, to hold on to our faith, to hold on to those things that are near and dear to our hearts. It's in those moments that we need to tap in to that spiritual strength. And when we do, it's like God comes right behind us and he helps hold us up. And we find ourselves doing a whole lot more than we could do on our own. How many of you have ever been in a situation like that where you're like, I don't even know how I made it through, right? God gave you the strength to get it, to get through. And that's exactly what Paul is praying. He's saying, listen, guys, you're in a jam. I understand that. Ask God for wisdom. Ask him for spiritual wisdom so you can see. Ask God for spiritual strength so that you can respond effectively. So those are the two things to ask God for. If you're in a jam, how do you turn things around? Ask him for spiritual wisdom and spiritual strength. The last two things are two things to look for. Look up. Look up and see Christ is far above everyone that is against you. Let's take a look at that in verse 21. Paul writes, Now Jesus is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world to come, but also excuse me, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. You know, when I was reading this passage, I thought of one of my, one of my favorite movie series. I thought of the Hobbit movies. Anybody else like the Hobbit movies? The second one, The Desolation of Smog, is one of my favorites. And there's a scene at the beginning where Bilbo and his, his company of, of dwarves are, are in the woods. They're lost. They're under duress. The spiders are coming. You know, they, they just don't know where to go. They're all foggy. And, and, and Bilbo has a moment of clarity, and he thinks, I need to get up higher above all of this and so he begins to climb a tree he gets up he takes a fresh breath of air as he breaks through the canopy his head clears and he's able to look around and he goes there it is that's the way to go that's how that's the direction we need to head in and you know guys i think our lives are often like that 
we get under duress. We're under spiritual attack. Our most important relationships are, are just being crushed. And we're, we're just very, very discouraged. And in those moments, we forget two things. We forget, one, that Christ is seated in the place of honor right next to God the Father. We forget who we are serving. We forget that he is far above, immeasurably above anything and anyone that we're facing. We not only forget that, but we, we forget that Ephesians chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, Paul tells us that we are seated alongside of Christ. Think about that for just a second. So God raised Jesus from the dead, placed him in the seat of honor, and then we, when we express faith in Christ, he raises our lives from the dead. And where does he seat us? Right next to Jesus. And when we're under duress, when we're being hindered, harassed, or hurt for our faith, when we don't know where to go and everything's just pressing down on us like the Ephesians were experiencing, we forget that and we get down in the weeds. We get down underneath and we don't know where to go. And so Paul was reminding them, and I am reminding you this morning, if you want to turn things around, you need to look up and over your circumstances. Not only should you look up and over, but you need to remember that every authority, both physical and spiritual, is under Christ's jurisdiction. Paul says that. God has put all things under the authority of Christ. All things are under. He reigns over it all. Nothing is going on that he's not aware of. Nothing, somehow or another, though it is very hard for you to see it, and I'll confess, it is hard for me to see it many times as well when I'm in that situation. Somehow or another, it is working, he is working all things for the benefit of the church, for the benefit of believers, for those that are following Christ. And so if you're here today and you are in that tight situation and you need wisdom, you need God's strength, look up and over, and God will help you. Hopefully, and eventually, you'll be able to see how it is benefiting you. The last thing, the last thing I want you to look for is this. I want you to look around and see other believers are experiencing the same thing that you are. Look around. Not only look up and over to see Jesus, but look around. Look what Paul says in verse 23. And the church is his body. It's meaning there's more than one of you. There's more members in the ch more than one member in the church, more than one member in the body. There's a lot of us who've expressed faith in Christ. And every single one of us have been, are currently, or will be under duress at some point. We all will face these types of situations where we need God's wisdom. We need God's strength. You are not alone in this battle. I'm sure Paul had to remind himself of that a few times. And he's writing here and reminding the Ephesians, listen, guys, you're not alone. If at the very least I'm with you, he says, I'm with you. And so I'm here today telling you, listen, you're not alone. There are every single one of us that are listening, every one of us who are believers are going to or are currently or have in the past faced this type of situation. And so my, my, my thought for you is this. It's natural when we get in these type of situations to throw a pity party, isn't it? To be like, oh my gosh, it's so bad. I can't hardly get out of bed. I don't, we're, we're just not motivated. Everything's so bad. I, guys, listen, I, you're not alone. I'm not getting down on you here. I, I'm putting myself in your shoes because there have been times, 
and I laugh about this because it's actually kind of funny. It wasn't funny at the moment. Where I am so discouraged, I literally will go and just lay down in my closet and shut the door <laughs> in the dark. Have you ever had that? Where you're just like, oh my goodness, I need to just be alone for a minute, right? And we chuckle about that, right? We just need, need a minute, okay? But in that minute, I need somebody, like, it just like I'm going to do for you. I'm going to tell you to go up the road, go over the bridge, turn left at Jackson, go into the Home Depot, buy yourself a ladder, and get over it, okay? Get over it, because you're not the only one who's, who has or is or will ever go through this difficult situation. In fact, as I'll mention in a few minutes, this is pretty normal for a believer, okay? This is pretty normal. I know when sometimes, you know, when we lead people to Christ or when we come to Christ, people don't often mention the fact that, that there's suffering involved. But there is, right? We suffer for Christ. Paul was, the Ephesians were, we are, okay? And every believer has or will at some point suffer for the Lord. And so what he tells them is, guys, listen, look around. You're not alone. All right, as we begin to transition back to, to worship time, as we kind of wrap up here, I want to remind you of a couple things. First of all, if you need wisdom today, ask God for it. Not only ask Him for that, but ask Him for strength. Look to Christ. Look over your circumstances. Look around because you're not alone. You know, uh, as I just mentioned a, a moment ago, I, when we consider the Ephesians and Paul's situations, it is worth noting that uh, these types of situations are more common than we realize. What I mean is that we shouldn't be surprised when pain diminishes our love for others. We shouldn't be surprised when pain causes us to doubt God, His love, His plan, His purpose. We shouldn't be surprised when spiritual darkness attacks us, okay? As believers, we should not be surprised that that happens. We shouldn't be surprised when we as Christians experience persecution from unbelievers. All of these things are normal and they're naturally going to happen at one point or another. I mean, even Jesus was persecuted by unbelievers. I mean, you and I, we have all done things to hurt God and other people, but, but during Jesus' life, he never did wrong by God nor anyone else. He was our example on how to live a life that pleased God and how to bless others. In the light of his life shown everywhere he went. I mean, he did miracles. He fed people. He restored the relationships. He raised someone from the dead for crying out loud. And despite all of the good that he did, the people in the shadows still hated him. They hindered him. They falsely accused him. And eventually, they crucified him like a criminal. But what they didn't know, and what you may not know, today is that his death was the sacrifice that made it possible for us to become right with God. And now anyone that believes that Jesus was more than a man, that, that he was the son of God, that, that he is the savior of the world, can be forgiven of their wrongdoings by God. And anybody who's been made right with God has the promise of eternal life with God. And so if you're here today or you're listening online, I want you to, I want you to find me after, after service or or send an email or call the office if you're listening online because we want to chat with you. We'd love to answer any questions that you would have about faith in Christ, what it means to follow Jesus, what it's really like following Christ. And we would love the opportunity to pray for you. And so find us or contact us. 
Also, if you're here today and you need wisdom, guys, when service is done today, would you just find me or Pastor Ben or Jessica? Would you just find us? Can, can we just take a moment to pray with you? There's some things that we do together that we can't do quite as well on our own. You know, we can listen to sermons on our own. We can listen to worship music on our own, although I would argue that worshiping live is much, much better than listening to it uh, alone. But another thing that we can't do quite as well is pray for one another. There's just something about joining together and praying for a situation that, that makes a huge impact. And so if you'd like prayer before you go today, would you find one of us? We would, it would be a privilege to pray. So let's transition into worship. Let's let this time be a catalyst for change. As you worship, ask God for wisdom. Ask him for strength. Ask him to adjust your focus and to see Christ and to see others around you. Let's do that now. side of them, that you would strengthen them, that you would build them up and help them to know how to respond right now in Jesus' name. Send them that wisdom. Send them that strength. Father, I pray for those that are overwhelmed under duress. God, I pray that you would clear, just clear that, that fog in their minds, clear that which looms over them, that darkness, God, and let them see you high and lifted up, just how good you are just how much you love them, that your plan is still viable, that your purposes are still being fulfilled. I pray that you would work on their behalf and in their lives right now and use them to be an encouragement to someone else right now. This week, God, lay someone on their heart, burden their hearts for someone to pray for constantly, just as Paul did. Father, I speak a blessing over them as they go home today. I speak your blessing, God. They're coming, they're going, they're, they're sitting down, they're rising up in their work, in their family, in their marriages. God, everything they lay their hand to, I speak a blessing over it today. If you receive that, if you believe that, just begin to say, God, I believe that. I receive that blessing. In Jesus' name, I speak that blessing over this congregation, over its pastors, over its board, all that we're doing for your glory. We thank you, God, for being with us, letting us come and worship. Bless the remainder of this day and this week and gather us again to worship your name next weekend. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Guys, thank you so much uh, for your patience with me. My voice was fading a smidge today, but I appreciate it. Thanks for being here today. God bless you. Have a great rest of your uh, July 4th weekend. Go in peace. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.